You're listening to War for Idiots, a podcast by idiots for idiots. Why are you looking off into the um, distance? Because I've had zero hours sleep. So outdoor recording, outdoor recording with wind, no crow, not my cup of tea. Hey, at least there's, no, no crow's good. No crow is no good. No crow is good. Um, Shall we commence this episode? Yes. <laughs> okay, here we go. Are you good? You ready? Yeah, I was ready when I said. Ladies and yes. gentlemen, boys and girls, hello and welcome back to another episode of War for Idiots. WFI. WFI. We are back. I am Rich the Ignoramus. And I am Mick the Fool. And we are indeed the idiots you've been looking for. And today we are talking about a World War II operation called Operation Market Garden. Oh my God. Also known as OMG. That's right, people. We are talking about war from the sky. War from the sky. Not in the sky. War from, yeah, war war, war from From the the sky. sky. War from the sky. So who are we? Well, so like rain. We are the Shaggy and Snoopy of war. Okay. That's supposed to be Scooby, right? That's supposed to be Scooby. Yeah, because I saw that in the show notes (laughs) when I read them and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna let the, I'm gonna let this ignoramus say Shaggy and okay, Snoopy. Okay, re- get that in post. Cool. I'll start again. Okay, three, two, one. Who are we? Well, we are the Shaggy and Scooby of War. Yeah. <laughs> and I wouldn't have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you rascally kids or whatever. Pesky, all the criminals. Pesky, pesky kids. kids pesky kids. Good. <laughs> That's Good. a Scooby. So who are we? Well. Oh, I've done that part, sorry. So what are we here What are we here for? We are here to talk about war. Uh, today we are talking about war at an accessible level. Uh, we are not here to discount the significance of war. We are making it more approachable. And today's war topic is that of airborne operations with a focus on Operation Market Garden. Mick, are you excited about OMG? OMG, am I excited? Oh, that was the perfect... Re- oh, I can't believe you wasted that so early in the episode. <laughs> but um, before we crack on, let's start with a quote. Okay, you want me to read this one? If you believe you can. I, I actually know <laughs> that I can read. Um, I kept a diary right after I was born. Day one, tired from the move. Day two, everyone thinks I'm an idiot. That was from Steve Wright, a comedian. Uh, believe it or not, team, the internet only has so many thoughtful quotes about <laughs> idiots. <laughs> so we're going to start expanding uh, what these quotes are. But... Um, but Stephen Wright, comedian, very funny. Okay, let's get straight into it. Operation Market Garden. Mick. Yes. Operation Market Garden. Yes. Airborne operations. Yeah. What do you know, and tell me your experience and background of Operation Market Garden and or airborne experiences or anything about the war from the sky? Uh, starting with one being very strong and 10 being not so strong. Um, no, I, um, I know a little bit about Market Garden. I've got the Band of Brothers book here. I know that they were in Operation Market Garden. Correct. Reasonable. Reasonable. I've got the John Keegan's History of the Second World War, where he only has one page on Operation Market Garden. Mm. Reasonable size book, though. That's actually a really big book. Uh, and I'm not the biggest fan of Keegan. He can write really well. I'm just not a fan with all his theories. But uh, I don't know that much. I, I've only read little bits or soldier accounts. I haven't read the big operational plan. Sure. When it comes to airborne stuff, though, um, I 
know a fair bit about airborne without being airborne. I'm what you call a hat, and I am damn proud of it. Mm. Um, All the airborne guys out there are like, yes, yes, he's a hat. Um, so I got to, I went, uh, I deployed with an air assault brigade and was mm. embedded um, with an airborne uh, artillery regiment. Um, but I was not airborne, so I copped a lot of stick right. the entire time. And we're going to come back to that because one thing we're going to talk about when it comes to airborne operations is culture. Culture, culture is very airborne important operations. for airborne operations. But um, that's probably what I, I also know that um, one of the last major airborne operations with the French dropping yep. into Mali, uh, yes. probably 2012, 2013, something yep. like that. Um, but that's probably my limit. I also think it's a really, really silly way to exit a perfectly serviceable aircraft. Well, we were going to touch on that topic Excellent. a little later on as well. Well, I'm not going to touch on anything else. Just <laughs> you're going to touch it. Okay, and um, so what is my background? Uh, I would say that I know very little about Operation Market Garden. I know enough to sort of hit off the main points. And everyone's going, and ev and why, everyone's why are they recording this episode? Everyone suddenly stopped listening. No, no, <laughs> look, I know enough about it that we can um, talk about it. Uh, I have seen the movie Bridge Too Far, which is all oh, about Operation that. Market Garden. So I've read a lot of accounts, uh, first-hand accounts from Operation Market Garden. And what I have to say is there's actually a lot of bits in Bridge Too Far that are exactly from these personal accounts. Like, for mm. example, we did orders in an old schoolhouse and it was yep. this and it was that. And there was jokes all represented, but also there's a lot of things in Bridge Too Far that didn't happen as well. Yeah. Um, Pegasus. Reminds me of Patton. Uh, the movie Patton. Have oh, you okay. seen the movie Not Patton? Not like a sewing pattern. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Amazing yeah, when, um, movie. There's no mention of Operation Market Garden in Patton per se. No, because he was an armoured guy. But same region, same time period, and you get... Well, uh, he saved the Paris, didn't he? Ooh! But you, what do you say about that, 101st? But you also get the, um, you get the portrayal of... Field Marshal Montgomery in Patton. Oh, that's uh, right. You're being a, being an American movie, I think they, they chose the most American British person they could to portray <laughs> him, which I think was slightly Liam unfair. Liam Neeson. <laughs> Good one. Good one. And as you mentioned, uh, Band of Brothers. Um, there is a Operation Market Garden episode in Band of Brothers. Yeah. Uh, once you understand more about the operation, it sticks out uh, very distinctly in the episode. I think it's three uh, where they go across and save the guys from Arnhem. More about that in a minute. So if you have an airborne background, I would dare say uh, you would have a very strong knowledge of Operation Market Garden because it was very significant in what it achieved and especially brings up the debate about the utility and, and ongoing use of airborne operations as we go forward into the future of conflict. But before we get into exactly what happened uh, for Operation Market Garden, let me just start with this caveat up front. We are only going to scratch the surface of, of what happened in OMG. Okay? OMG. Because it was nine days, a lot happened, there was a lot of backwards and forwards. There's a lot of reasons that people are saying that things happen. We're just going to scratch the surface and, and talk about the themes uh, that we can get off from OMG. However, if you would like to discuss one matter or a, a part of it in further detail, please utilize social media. We would love to engage with you. Get the debate started, which I think was a, uh, which is, a popular song. It was a popular song. By, um, by Pink or someone like Just that. Just one interesting fun fact Yo. about US Airborne Forces in World War II was yeah. that if they, um, the Australian uh, Airborne Operation at NADZAP or combined uh, US-Australian Airborne Operation where, uh, I know this because of the artillery history of it, this was when the uh, artillery pieces were first launched out of an aircraft uh, for Australia. Yep. They literally had no airborne artillery guys. Yep. So a lieutenant and a heap of troops are told, hey, we've got a job for you guys. We're going to throw you out of an aircraft. Yeah. And they're like, okay, cool. Can we get a plastic jump? 
Practice jump. Practice jump. Plastic jumps. Plastic jumps. Yeah, didn't come until the 80s. 80s. Um, And they're like, no, 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 because we're not guaranteed you'll survive. So we only got one shot at it. Good. We're dropping you in the jungle, by the way. But that um, it was an American operation dropping into a parachute regiment in um, in the Papua New Guinean campaign yep. in World War Two that proved uh, reproved the concept because after some earlier disasters mm-hmm. uh, with airborne operations they're like uh, maybe we just forget about this dropping people out of airplanes thing but that worked and they're like bang on let's go to D Day really yeah well there you go interesting fact. Thank yep. you for that. And, you know, we'll always apply our definition of fact to that. <laughs> That's well. right, fact, uh, spelt with a K. Okay, <laughs> so let me set the scene. And Mick, uh, agree with me or, or add anything that I you disagree. want um, as I go forward. So the year is 1944. No, it is 2017. <laughs> you're such an idiot. <laughs> That's the there show. There is a magpie two metres to your right. I'm not <laughs> <even> <laughs> Holy crap. Hey, hey. You're take not, a photo. You're not take friends a photo. With, you're not friends take with a, a crow by any... Yeah, are you friends with a crow? Why are you here? Okay, while well, you take a photo of him, I'm going to talk about... Okay, so the scene for Operation Market Garden. The year is 1944. The month is September. So let's just rewind. In June 1944, you had, of course... The infamous or the famous D-Day landings. The I assault. might tweet that now, man. I've got a book no. for proof of life. Don't tweet it now because I need you to help me with this podcast. Yep. Okay. So you had Normandy that happened in June 1944. We know that Normandy occurred, the build-up of forces occurred, and eventually this led to a breakout from the Normandy beachhead with three armies. One army under Patton, one army under Bradley, and one army under the Englishman Montgomery. With yep. me so far. Yep. When you say we know that, that you know that. Now, they pushed the Germans out of the Norm- uh, Normandy beachhead south and then continued to swing like a gate, which is a great drill term. That's how I fight. That's how you fight, swing like a gate, towards the east and started their advance to Germany. So this is all just setting the context. But then something happened. You had these three generals who were all competing for very limited resources. It then became a fight between the three generals uh, towards General Eisenhower with who was going to get the resources to go towards the east. Who was this general that was going to win? right so we enter our first lot of controversy what was the motivations for operation market garden now if you were to ask montgomery he was to say that it was about the northern flank of the movement towards germany it was about securing the northern flank penetrating that northern flank taking out the german industrial heartland and then ending the war in 1944 however some people say that potentially Market Garden got the resources because Montgomery just kept on complaining, 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 and Eisenhower eventually threw him some resources for it. But regardless, this is the backdrop of Operation Market Garden, following Normandy, pushing the Germans back towards uh, Germany, and going from there. Okay, so tell me, Mick, what do you know of what the Allies were trying to do as they moved towards Germany uh, following the breakout from Normandy? Yeah, I was tweeting. I wasn't. I know you were tweeting. Test. That's why I'm asking you questions. I'm tweeting. So, what were the Allies trying to do? Yes. To, on their way to Germany. <laughs> yes. They're trying to. They're trying to liberate France, Belgium, and Netherlands. Correct. Okay, you're doing very well. So there was a philosophical difference between what Eisenhower wanted to do and what Montgomery wanted to do. Okay? Yeah, Eisenhower wanted to be president. Montgomery wanted to. Let, besides that, oh. so Eisenhower believed in a broad frontage kind of strategy. Three armies advancing almost simultaneously, slowly, slowly, methodically towards Germany. Rough sort of uh, summation of what Eisenhower wanted to do. Montgomery differed from this greatly, where Montgomery was saying, we need to have a single deep thrust, a deep thrust through the German defences and then a breakout 
from that area. Mick yeah. is yeah. smirking like a 13-year-old boy. No, I just tweeted without you knowing. <laughs> okay. Um, so this was the backdrop of what Operation Market Garden was. This was Montgomery's thought and theory and plan to have that deep penetration past the German lines in order to get a foothold into Germany through the Ruhr, I think I'm saying that right, um, and go towards it. Now, this brings us on to a different topic. What is the different topic? So you've got to remember that, and I just want to speak about Montgomery for a second here. Yeah, Montgomery, you're obsessed with Montgomery. Montgomery was the odd man out in, in this American... I, th I think Montgomery was just an odd man. He was the odd man out. Okay? No, he was just an odd man. But He got a very bad reputation at Normandy, for example, because of his inability to break out in what seemed to be uh, an area where Bradley broke out, where Patton broke out, but yeah. Montgomery and the Englishman couldn't break out. Yeah. But if you... But that was only because he didn't break out. If you read what Montgomery said, he said that his plan was never to break out. His plan was always to hold the Germans on that eastern flank and allow the Americans to break out. Now, this is full of controversy, but... Yeah, because he said that after. But this is the beginning of this sort of controversy between Montgomery and the generals. Let me, let me fast forward to... Like, if I crash my car and say my plan was to crash my car, <laughs> it doesn't make me smarter. So as they're approaching Germany, Montgomery is now worried about the V1 rockets or V2 rockets? V1 and V2 rockets. V1 and V2 rockets that are now starting to land in England. So, yep. you know, he is well, saying... Land, explode. Explode in England. So he's saying now that... I need to approach along the northern force, along this sea line, to stop these rockets from going, going to Germany, end the war as soon as possible. With the Americans are saying, no, we need no. to be slow and methodical. This got me thinking about the episode that we did recently, which is the different definitions yeah. of categorization. Because it's all right for an American to say, we're happy for those exactly. rockets to keep landing in London. Exactly. Suddenly, Monty doesn't seem like well, no, he's such a crazy guy. The gentleman's club where he's probably a member is, is in the middle of London. Exactly. He's uh, fighting. A different gentleman's club he's from what our for, listeners go to. He's fighting for a different war in the same piece of terrain, yep. in the same battle. Yep. So th this is what he was trying to achieve. I think it brings up a really interesting discussion. Was Montgomery as annoying by consistently arguing or were the Americans just failing to understand that for Montgomery war was something completely different. What do yeah. you think? Yeah, well, well, I don't think we need to say was Montgomery as annoying. I think we can probably just label him with being annoying. But I think, you know, fair's fair. He, he's, his impetus was so much different because the civilian populace of his nation, who he was a military representative of, yep. uh, was under attack. Yep. Whereas, uh, you know, all these Yankees are sitting plumb and happy back in Oklahoma. <laughs> I don't even know if you can be called uh, a Yankee if you're from Oklahoma. We started to get American listeners and we just lost all of them. <laughs> Thank you, Mick. That's all right. I, uh, I do what I can. Um, by the way, if you are turning off this show, there's another one called The Dead Prussian. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I think, I think it's a really good um, discussion point you raise because we have to understand that even generals within the same force, yep. the Allied force, but yep. even the generals, yep. different nationalities means that they may be experiencing a different war. Absolutely. And, and yeah. we probably should have talked about this when we talked about... Oh, we did Korea. And like, Korea was pretty... We, look, oh. we, can't, we can't talk all day. Um, yeah. That's it. <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> that's why we shouldn't talk all day. So here's the, so that's the background. That's the background of what led to Operation Market Garden. Wow, Monty, that's, that's the background. Mon Woo. Monty got his, uh, his assets and then ready to commence the operation. So let me explain the operation very, very simply. So the Operation Market Garden was actually two operations put together. There was Operation Market and then there was Operation Garden. Okay? Yep. So Operation Market was the airborne component <laughs> of yep. this operation. Operation Garden was the land component, 
uh, infantry, armoured, artillery moving across towards the same area that the airport component landed. So in aggregation, Operation Marker Garden. So what was the plan? Now without a map, just try to envision this in your head. The plan would be that airborne elements, uh, two American airborne elements and a British airborne element, would be dropped into the Netherlands uh, across a single line to secure bridgeheads and key terrain along a single access road that would penetrate and allow access straight into Germany. Now, these can be simplified to where they're going to land. We're going to be three essentially bridge areas that need to secure. There's a place called Vigel, yep. secured by Americans. There's a place called Nijmegen, secured by Americans. Nijmegen. And then there's a place called Arnhem. And which, now for Australians, that is not Northern Australia. No, there's not. That is the deepest penetration, and that was to be achieved by the British. Now, simultaneously, the land element would traverse through Vigel, through Nijmegen, and through Arnhem, uh, two to three days after the landings in order to reinforce and then culminating in air plus land put together undefeatable force. So that combined was, arms. Combined arms, exactly right. So to put context into this, the distance between Vegel and Nijmegen, 45 kilometers. That's important. The distance between Nijmegen and Arnhem, 25 kilometers. So we're talking quite large distances to have these forces spread. 25 kilometers. Yes. Okay. So... I oh, just that bridge doesn't seem very far. <laughs> and for our Americans, twenty-five kilometers is fifty to one hundred miles. I have no idea how many miles that is. Uh, reverse it. Reverse it. Turn it. I don't know that song goes, but you know, uh, flip it, reverse it, and work it. No, it's like twelve to thirteen miles. Okay, so. Um, so that was essentially the plan of Operation Market Garden. Now, who were they facing? They were facing uh, the German forces. Now, the context of German forces, 1944 by September, they have been heavily defeated. Yeah. Heavily defeated in Normandy. The, uh, the Russians were knocking on their door on the Eastern Front. Everything was closing in towards Germany. I think Russians were kicking the door in. Correct. The Russians <laughs> were not known right. for knocking. They were not <laughs> knocking. But what they didn't know was this area, this area of the Netherlands, which there were only scatterings of Germans. They didn't realize that the second SS Panzer Corps uh, was also there as well. Uh, they were there having a rest and they were under the leadership of a one general, Walter Modell. Now Modell experienced from the Eastern Front and he has been called the Third Reich's best defensive tactical commander, which is a uh, fairly high praise considering the defensive battles they go on to fight. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Until Germany loses the war, so... Well, so like, apparently. Like, apparently yeah. lost the war. Yeah, well... Apparently. But, okay, okay, I'm pretty sure they did, but, <laughs> but saying, like, he's their best tactical defensive commander... Yeah. That, that's, that's really good, but he didn't defend their home country against invasion. Didn't he? No, he, <laughs> like, okay, he, Didn't did, he? he tried. Okay, he tried. Um, hey, I'm just saying, you know, that comes to our whole tactics, operations, strategy thing. You can be the best tactical anything. Yep. But if you ain't got no strategy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I hope you're talking about the Coke or Definitely just agree. my theories. Okay, so that is OMG. Any comments about Operation Market Garden? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the order given by Montgomery for let's do this yep. um, has become quite famous. I've actually got an audio clip of it. So Do it. it. <laughs> it was a little like that. It, to be honest with you, it was a little like that. I mean, Montgomery is 
Montgomery. <laughs> but that's exactly what the Americans were like. They're like, oh, God damn it! Just let him go. So Montgomery was a very he was a very thorough, um, methodical. He talked about he talks about training a lot, getting the forces ready, and many many like I think the preparation for this. God, I wish I could remember off the top of my head. But it, we're talking about days, days from the word go to to the word yo to go. Days from when they said the plan is going to happen to when they had to execute it. Landing woe to go, woe to go, landing. All these divisions plus this ground thing, it was incredible. And some people are saying, you know, maybe Monty rushed this a little bit. Yeah. Leroy Jenkins. I think Leroy, Leroy Jenkins. Leroy Jenkins did. Is one theory. Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about airborne operations, and then we'll talk about what happened sure. at Operation Market Garden towards the end. Um, so Operation Market uh, was. Let me just read this from uh, a clip. So Operation Market, the airborne component, would employ four of the six divisions of the first Allied Airborne Company. This is just to give you an understanding of what was involved. It had the US 101st Airborne Division under General Taylor that would drop in two locations, just north of 30 Corps to take the bridges northwest and Eidenhoven at Sun and Vagel, as we've discussed. The 82nd Airborne Division under Brigadier Gavin would drop northeast of them and take the bridges at Grave and Nijmegen, and then the most, not the most important, but one that we're going to talk about and spend a bit of time on, the British 1st Airborne Division under Major General Urquhart uh, with the Polish 1st Independent Parachute Brigade under Brigadier Sosabowski uh, would drop at the extreme north end of the route, capturing the bridge at Arnhem and the rail at Oosterbeek, uh, and, uh, and that would be it. So a very ambitious uh, objectives by a very vast array of different characters. Before we go on, if you ever watch Bridge Too Far, you get to see Gene Hackman acting as a Polish brigadier. Amazing. For some reason, he has a Spanish accent. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's fantastic. But he has a mustache, so nothing says I am Polish more than a Spanish accent and a mustache. Hey, that magpie must have squealed on us because there's three, three crows, crows have just right turned up. Okay, so Mick, let's talk about what they were trying to achieve with airborne operations in this area. So um, we're talking about airborne operations. You're talking about what? what? What were they trying to achieve here? You mentioned before the earliest uh, concept of airborne operations. They then used again in Normandy. So yeah. talk us through your theory of why why here, why Operation Market Garden and what it meant. Well, it, it, it comes down to force projection. Mm. Um, and there's, yes. there's a, a few different ways that you can um, project airborne forces to achieve different effects. There's you can use airborne forces to achieve envelopment, envelopment of an enemy position, which yep. you know since um, war went motorized and uh, cavalry was a lot easier to defend against, it it became more difficult uh, to use your cavalry like your horses to envelop an enemy force because you were yeah, no longer yeah, yeah. you're no longer just fighting on set piece battlefields. So envelopment became very difficult to achieve. But if you can land a heap of soldiers to the rear of an enemy, you can achieve envelopment that way. You can also achieve um, establishing uh, your own force inside an enemy territory. Yep. So force projecting into the enemy territory, establishing a secure area from which you can then, if you can expand it, preferably over a rail, uh, a, not a rail line because they don't fly, over an uh, airfield, um, you can then s secure it with paratroopers, secure this airfield, then you've got yourself an air point of entry into yep. a certain area on the battlefield yep. that may not actually have a t contiguous boundary with your other forces. Yep. So airborne forces, and oh, I'm going to hate myself for saying this, have utility. Oh. Not full stop. <laughs> when you need to achieve a certain degree of uh, envelopment or force projection beyond uh, the, the 
um, capability of your land forces. Absolutely, and, and I think you know when I think about when I think about airborne, I think about force projection, and I think if you break this down, you could almost say that a nature of war, so something that has continued throughout the existence of war, has been the consideration of the movement of soldiers, starting with when they realised they could use horses to fight, yeah. when they realised they could use wheels to expedite it, uh, when they realised they could transport soldiers by trains, motor vehicles, you know, and you, you mentioned now... Trains, the trains, automobiles. You mentioned now the use of airplanes to drop soldiers behind the enemy to yeah. achieve this, this deep envelopment of them. So this is all about force projection and mm. who knows what the future holds, teleportation or, you know, we're sort of saying that now yeah. drones can go beyond, you know, it's almost like the next step where we can drop robots behind enemy lines, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, it's all about this consideration of how we put those guys forward. So, of course, airborne operations, by this very definition of achieving that development, is a very, very, very viable option for the rejection of force. Um, but my question to you, and we don't have to go too deep into it, is, is it still relevant today? Is it still relevant today against the technology that I would, people have today, against the modern day characteristics of war? I would love to say no, because um, I've got a lot of scars from drinking in an airborne mess. Yep. But uh, look, I think the French in Mali used it really, really well and kind of yep. proved that there's still a utility of it. And it all depends on your adversary, I think. Yep. Um, there's a lot of armies out there that you would not throw airborne forces against because, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you try and put airborne forces against the Russians who favour heavy armoured brigades yes. um, or armoured formations, divisions, corps. Like, they're just going to roll over the top of you and go, yep. okay, yep. why? Um, yep. But there are other actors. Say you're fighting some of these armed groups within uh, Africa that don't necessarily belong to a particular state but are largely um, vehicle, foot or horse-mounted still. Yep. Well, you, you kind of... That some of their weapons are modern technology, but a lot of their tactics are either small uh, partisan-type fighting from World War II or even small unit World War II-style fighting. Um, so why not throw in this old technology of dropping Absolutely. airborne in? I also heard a rumour that um, some British guys, maybe they were special forces, maybe they weren't, um, and Afghans were looking at doing a drop. I don't know if there was ever a drop as part of Operation Mostrak, which we talked a little bit about when we talked about War Machine. Yep. And um, McChrystal, um, his operation he did in, in Helen. But I heard a rumour, but it may have just been a rumour, or I read it in a blog somewhere that, um, yeah, that they were looking at whether or not they could use, they could use airborne in Afghanistan. From what I know, they didn't. But if any of our listeners know of airborne operations, that you can talk about on social media we yeah. used in Afghanistan. We'd love to hear from them. Absolutely. I don't think it's I don't think it's gone by the wayside wayside, but yeah. it is very much I think the period of mass airborne operations has probably gone. I think I think I'm gonna equate I just had this thought so it might not work out well. That's right. I think you could look at airborne operations like a bayonet. Okay? You could say that with A two D two, with cyber war, with space being a domain that we look at warfare now, why do we bother carrying a bayonet at the soldier level? You know, this weapon of that can kill so a man. Stab people with it. So you can, you can stab someone, which is what they used to do in ancient warfare, but surely in a modern war, there ain't going to be much stabbing happening. Well, you don't know that because yeah. war is a scalable thing. You yeah. could be in a situation where in the conduct of some sort of scalable option of war which you are committed to, you might have to stab someone. They're still stabbing. Okay, so let's apply this airborne. Just because you wouldn't airborne against a Russia, yeah. for example, doesn't mean, and the example you used was excellent, Mali, like the French are doing, using airborne operations, 
still a war, but on a different scale. Yeah. So, you know, just because it wouldn't work against Russia doesn't mean it's completely useless. But just because it would work in Mali doesn't mean everything has to be airborne. Yeah. You've got to find that tipping point, that balancing point. I think if you've got airborne forces within your military, it's always going to be hard not to use them because they're always chomping out a bit to jump out of an airplane. And that, and, and that, is, that is one of the criticisms of Operation Market Garden is that these airborne guys were sitting in England. They're like, we need to do something. Yeah. Send us to do something. And my understanding is they're getting in a lot of strife. Strife is Australian for trouble. Yeah. Getting in a lot of trouble, sitting around, everyone was fighting except for them. They were uh, champing at the bit to yeah. get into yeah, a fight. they were even chomping at the bit too. Champing at the bit. So what happened? What happened in Operation Market Garden? Well, everything went really well. We won the war. Uh, everything went really Next. well. So, well, uh, thanks for listening to this show. <laughs> <laughs> everything went really well for the first day. And then everything went really bad. Um, hmm. Exactly what happened? Why did it go bad? Uh, there are many, 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 many reasons why it went bad. Uh, weather, for example, uh, they couldn't mass all their forces because they didn't have enough airplanes to drop in all three sites on the same day. The Air Force needed to have a rest, yeah. recuperate, reconstruct, Thanks and then the they Air were, Force. and then they were going to start continuing the drops on the second day. Second day, the weather was not favourable for drops. No drops on the second day, so it started off straight away because of the weather. German forces, as we said, under Modal, much more than expected, and these were elite forces. The geography threw them off. Yep. The ground forces that were meant to penetrate on this single line, uh, the road was too narrow, I think, to go more than one tank up front. They couldn't do two, I believe, okay. which is pretty hard to penetrate 100 kilometres when you can't do that. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I wanted to spend a little bit of time on is that once they started doing this access, pushing up the road, going to and trying to get to Arnhem, they had issues with their rear area security because the Germans just went past that spearhead and started hitting the spear handle. And that's one, that's one of the problems. That's a really good spear handle. Uh, that's one of the problems of um, security when it comes to airborne forces. Absolutely. So this brings us to a, an article written by some random guy named... Can you even read that name? Yeah, uh, Mac Goldcross. Mac Goldcross? No, no. Oh, Mark Gilchrist. Mark Gilchrist. Whoever that Joker is. He is a Joker. That's no, for sure. he is. He is a friend of us, a friend of the show. Good friend of the show. Uh, and he, just, he has just released an article on the Strategy Bridge called "Reconsidering Rear Area Security." Yeah. And he's actually uh, one of the Strategy Bridge's uh, contributing um, uh, focused contributors or uh, featured contributors this year. So make sure you jump on the Strategy Bridge. Um, they're good friends of the show as well. And uh, read all of Mark's work because it actually varies. He talks. He's written about. Um, I think it was Finland uh, in World War Two. He's written about Rwanda, and now he's written about uh, Market Garden. So uh, some broad stuff there, if you like his writing. Absolutely. Personally, I think can't write for nuts. It's a good. <laughs> it's a good summary of Market Garden. Uh, he brings up about how you know once that spearhead has has gone through, we shouldn't start thinking about the handle as security. We should start thinking about rear combat operations, which I think is a great point. Mm. Double-ended spear. That's what I think. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Solved. Um, Problem solved. His article about... Uh, you, could have just, you should have just called it double. His article about Market yeah. Garden is not so much about the airborne component, it's more about the garden component, the, uh, the actual movement of the forces along the highway of hell, which is what they nicknamed that road leading all the way up into Arnhem. It's a great article um, about the operation. would have worked there as well. It's a great article that has great contemporary relevance. Well done, Gilly. Uh, keep on listening to the show. So, was Operation Market Garden a success or failure? So, straight to the chase... They couldn't achieve Arnhem. They achieved everything yeah. up until that bridgehead. Uh, yeah. The British forces were decimated. So um, one in 10. Had to be extracted from that yep. area. It, it was horrible. The rear was denied. They couldn't secure that heartland. 
Um, there's controversy that if Monty, in fact, did secure the Ruhr, Ruhr? Ruhr. heartland, did he? Did that even achieve victory? Some people say no, that this was just, again, Eisenhower throwing Monty a bone to keep him quiet. I think this is fate. But I would like to finish um, our Marker Garden component before we wrap up our thoughts about airborne operations with a quote. Now, this is a quote from, as I said before, uh, General Urquhart, mm. um, and this is from his book uh, published in 1995. Um, now, just again, context, he was the commander of the 1st British Airborne Division that landed in Arnhem. During this battle, the 1st Airborne Division lost 8,000 soldiers and officers. 8,000! Yeah. It is absolutely incredible to think of. Um, they would eventually have to be withdrawn from Arnhem. This was what the uh, Marker Garden perspective of um, Band of Brothers represents. They yeah. go across in little boats, extract the uh, the first airborne division guys. Now, in his official report of 1945, he wrote, and I quote, well, in fact, Mick, do you want to read this out? Uh, I will read this out, um, as long as I don't have to say, um, the operation was 100% successful. No, 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 start right. again. <laughs> ah, see, I was just being a little bit Go. positive. Go. The operation was not 100% successful, and the losses were heavy, but all ranks appreciate that the risks involved were reasonable. There is no doubt that all would willingly undertake another operation under similar conditions in the future. We have no regrets. Except I for the 8,000 people that uh, didn't come back. I think that's a powerful <laughs> quote. I think that's yeah. a powerful quote. And he talks about risk. Risk versus reward. The risks were reasonable for the reward that they would be achieved. Now this is, you know, straight after the operation. This is not, not years later in retrospect. Yeah. This is, he is still feeling the heat of what he had to lead that division through. I think it's a real powerful one. It also one. speaks to their culture. We talked about it before. But exactly right. Airborne forces have a very strong esprit de corps. Um, Absolutely. Which, uh, if you translate esprit de corps, it's a spirit, the corp. Um, and Good. It, I see you speak German as well. <laughs> Did as, you? as well as Gene Hackman speaks Polish. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but no, it's and it, this quote is a, is a perfect example of that. Um, it's a little bit of stiff upper lip as well. Yep. Um, but um, airborne forces generally like these types of operations. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And they have this culture, this culture of invincibility, you know. Yep. And they, and I think so they should because the job is a high risk, high reward Mate, payoff uh, job. The British Airborne Forces still do the PE company six weeks physical training test and yep. it is, is just pure hell. Absolutely. Um, never, I, I, I've never done it and I don't ever intend to do it, but it looks horrible. So look, that's that's Operation Market Garden. We're going to give our final thoughts. Operation Market Garden was an incredible operation. Um, if you look, uh, if you do any research into it um, and you ask yourself the, the holistic question, was Operation Market Garden a success or a failure? Uh, I think this is a good debate to have with, with many people. Uh, what's my opinion on it? Uh, mm. My opinion is that it was a success. Uh, it was not a success. It didn't achieve what Montgomery wanted to achieve. It didn't end the war in 1944, but it did continue to attrit the Germans. Yes. Uh, they won it, and, and if you look all over the internet, you'll see the opposite opinion where it's described as a failure because of the reasons I just said. And, and in fact, if you read about Modal, uh, Modal got a lot more confidence from being able to defeat the Americans and kick the British out of uh, Arnhem and, they and lost continue on. And then they lost the war. <laughs> um, but that's Operation Market Garden in a nutshell. So much more that we could talk about, uh, but we need to wrap this up. So Mick, final thoughts about airborne operations in a contemporary sense and what you've learned from Operation Market Garden going forward. Okay. So uh, OMG for me, I'm not the 
The most knowledge on it, as I said, most of the stuff I've read on it is uh, individual soldier, not even officer, but individual soldier, personal accounts. Um, but that's mainly because I'm not the biggest World War II Europe theatre fan. Yep. I, uh, I prefer the Southwest Pacific um, stuff because yep. it's close to home. But uh, Marker Garden's one that I think is really, really instructive in the idea. We talk about combined arms all the time. Yeah. Um, but when you're doing a land and an airborne uh, operation combined to achieve mutually reinforcing goals, yep. which arguably that's how you should be using them, uh, and then you have a failure like you know failing to achieve, um, I think it was called Pegasus Bridge, uh, Adam. Um, that's why I think that's why it's Pegasus for the 16 Air Assault Brigade's logo. Um, but you know, it, it's important to see how on that larger scale that idea of combining all your different capabilities yep. to have mutually supporting goals works. And I think that, um, and as much as it pains me to say it. Uh, all those maroon-blooded people out there will love it. Airborne forces still have a degree of utility. Yeah. In that scalable sense that we have talked about several times on several episodes, if you look at the operation in the context that you're going to fight, you mm -hmm. may find that airborne forces are quite handy. Yeah. Um, but you should study things like Market Garden, particularly Market Garden, um, to understand the risk yes. that airborne operations also yes. inherently come with. Even factors like the percentage of people who are going to be injured when they hit the drop zone. Yes. How, what are you going to do with those? There's a very different um, taste for what you can do in World War II to what you can do nowadays. You can't just leave someone on a drop zone. Absolutely. And, and you just reminded me of the thing that probably fascinated me most about Market Garden that I, that I haven't touched on. I'll talk about it really now. You shouldn't... You should not introduce new information in the conclusion, but let me just quickly introduce this. The gliders. Oh, the, the gliders. glider brigade <laughs> that they had in World War II blew my mind. Yep. I'd never read about anything Bottom like this. Bottom line up front, it's a plane without an engine. So a plane without an engine, I, I, I think a glider, it's got one or two people in it, no. and it gets towed by plane. These gliders had jeeps, these yep. gliders had like artillery pieces, these gliders had heavy yep. hardware. The vast majority of them crashed. Yeah. The vast majority of them crashed. Um, lots of gliders unfortunately uh, sank in between England and, and, um, and Europe. Uh, not Europe, sorry, mainland, mainland Europe. No, Europe's right, yeah. Um, but what fascinated me most about it is you have guys who are glider pilots that are doing a one-way trip behind enemy lines. They land and then they're like, well, you're not flying out of here, so grab yeah. your rifle, you're a paratrooper now, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's right. You are now a soldier. Yeah, so they were tough as nails. They were, they were tough as nails. They were tough as nails. Find me a pilot that does that yeah. nowadays. And, and is a commercial airline ever going to give that guy a job? What's your experience? Oh, yeah, well, yes. I, I'm really good at takeoff. Yeah, yeah, I'm good at takeoff, bad at landing, done it once, but can't fight. But can't fight. Can't fight. Um, it's incredible. We're talking thousands of gliders. Oh, it, it, it's mind-blowing stuff. What's your maintenance budget? That's what he'd be asking. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, right. and it's a wonder why gliders aren't that popular. Okay, so... My wrap-up, airborne operations, I agree with you completely, important. Um, my thought is, can you have an operation that is completely foundationally built upon the airport, airborne component of that operation? I think the answer is yes. I think yeah. the answer is also no. Yeah. I think it goes back to the thing we've been hinting at the whole time, war is scalable. Yep. And it's based off the scale, the importance of that airborne operation, and as you've been saying, and the objective, and the objective you want to achieve, yep. the reward you want to achieve versus the risk of using this airborne operations. That's why a lot of people look at Operation Market Garden in a negative light and say it was unsuccessful because the reward they didn't achieve Arnhem, yep. they didn't end the war, was not worth the risk, the loss of so many lives. So, yeah. 
I think it's, it is a very instructive lesson on risk versus reward. I think it's a very instructive lesson on the use of airborne operations. Yeah. But I am a supporter of airborne operations, not just because I'm afraid of having every airborne person, <laughs> whoever listens to this podcast, come after me with lots of hatred in there. Well, it's the battle captain at full brigade. I know he's airborne. He listens to the show. Okay, let's check out real quick. Mick, what do you got about social media for us? So we've got a Facebook page. It's at uh, Facebook... Uh, War for idiots. Just tops into the search. I was going to say the address, but no one says the address for Facebook pages because no. most people know the address for Facebook, right? That's right. Uh, using on your phone, just type in uh, War for idiots on the um, search bar, and you can uh, you can like our page. You can check out our episodes on there. Our shop for our merchandise, our t-shirts and coffee mugs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can access that through our Facebook page. Please buy some. Our other sister show or brother show, whichever way it goes. Uh, Dead Prussians been selling some stuff been getting photos in we would really like to try and outdo the dead prussian with merchandise stuff um because the host is funnier and we're really jealous (laughs) um we're also on twitter uh, at war numeral four idiots and richie you are on twitter at richie underscore t t t and i am at mick underscore cook we both just love our underscores all right now listen i hope you all enjoyed our episode on operation market garden i hope you learned something and if you have more to add hit us up on social media we yep. are more than happy to engage with everyone because we have no lives <laughs> outside <laughs> yeah, of this that's, that's kind of true so feel free to message us the quickest way to get a response from either of us is to tweet us publicly yep or Message us on Facebook and yep. you will find us fire it back straight away. If you send an email to our email address, I check that like once a month. So. Yeah, yeah. And if you start with a compliment, we will instantly reply. <laughs> <laughs> compliments, get an instant reply. All okay, right. so until next time, this is Rich. And this is Mick. And we are signing off. But remember, we may be idiots. But so are you. Goodbye. War for Idiots is a TDP production. All opinions expressed by individuals on the podcast are those of the individual and not necessarily representative of any other organisation. The music used during War for Idiots is Fireworks by Jazar and is used under an attribution share alike 3.0 international licence.